already the work we're doing i can see how it directly impacts people's lives it's it's really inspiring and we can see the difference it makes in how people live food security or i guess insecurity is a huge topic at the moment especially it's it's always a big deal um australia is a rich country but our wealth is not distributed equally and a lot of people do it really tough uh, I guess along with tough times come people trying to work out solutions and there are lots of incredible initiatives helping with food insecurity as well as community connection, integration, empowerment uh, and yeah, a feeling of belonging. We're heading to Mildura today to chat to Shingi Nayabonda. Uh, Shingi is the executive officer at the Food Next Door Co-op which does incredible work, incredible work uh, with migrants um, and refugees in the Mildura area. Shingi, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thanks, Danny. Uh, it's good to be here. It's really great to have you on the show. Um, I've loved connecting with you along the way. Tell us about Food Next Door and the work that you do. Um, Food Next Door is a co-op of about 60 members now. Um, what we do is we look for land around Mildura there's a lot of idle land around Mildura that's not being used for various reasons. And we match that land to our members in the co-op. So our members are mostly from refugee and migrant backgrounds. And they've always had that connection with farming. And uh, it's become a missing or there's a missing link around being able to find food uh, they're used to eating or culturally appropriate food. So Food Next Door provides that segue and we help people just settle and really get an opportunity to regenerate their lives as well and engage in the Mildura community. That's it's so amazing and so creative. Um, there's so many questions I've got. I, let's start with Mildura because I guess a lot of people, when they think about refugees and migrants, they think about people in big cities. They don't necessarily think about refugees in the regions. But I suppose Mildura has a long um, history as a migrant community um, with, you know, Europeans, a lot of Italians are coming through uh, yep. mid, mid last century. Um uh, along with a lot of agriculture, but just give us a sense of, of that picture of, of Mildura at the moment and, and what some of these communities um, look like. Yeah, so Mildura, like you rightly say, has it's a, it's a big basket. It's like a fruit salad because <laughs> we've got um, the African migrants. We've got um, the Karen communities. We've got like Southeast Asians, uh, subcontinent migrants. It's a... It's a really melting pot, really. It's a hot pot, I should say, not a melting one. Of migrants, yeah, and cultures. So um, a lot of the times the community gets to gather around food, which is a common theme where it's easier to have a conversation around food. And Mildura provides that opportunity through just that diverse Really, really, even with the restaurant culture and you get a, a little bit of the world in Mildura. Fantastic. And this idea of land sitting idle, I mean, why Why is that? What sort of, what land sits idle and why is it so? Yeah, so Mildura historically has been an area for a lot of uh, dried fruit farming. 
and it's all irrigated. So over the years, with the change in legislation around water, and also just retiring farmers or the change with um, town planning, that's made it either too expensive for some farmers to farm or or they don't have people to actually do the work. So people just sit on their assets and maybe wait it out, hoping for the next um, next big win, I guess, where they get the next payout. So what happens sometimes we have farmers who would have put in infrastructure on these properties and with the change with the water ownership situation, it it would become too hard to farm. There's no good return out of it. And then the more progressive farmers would also move from dried fruit, which are the currants and raisins, and start growing table grapes, or they move over to nut nut crops like our almonds and um, pistachios. So through all of that, you have different sorts of ownership structures as well, and titles around land. And at the end of the straw, you get a situation where a lot of farms are just not being used. And, uh, I mean, how does the program work? Are you just driving around, scouting out land that looks a little bit lost? Um, or is there do, do people sort of offer up their land for use to you? Yes, so people do offer land. And uh, we go in, when someone offers land, they, we then negotiate through a memorandum of understanding. We, we don't, we're not attracted to anything that requires us to pay for rental, but we do pay for the water we use and developing the land just to get it to a state where we can actually use it to farm. So at the moment, we, we're on troop, two properties that were donated to us for a period of about five years. So our members get to have a little patch on the farm. And on our demonstration farm, our main property, we've got 29 farmers with little patches on five acres in total. Oh, I love that. And give us a sense of, you know, who's there, what are they growing? I mean, I'm really interested in this idea of culturally appropriate foods. What, what are some of the crops that are happening there? Yeah, so during summer, we'll have white maize, which is related to corn in one way or another. Um, we've got okra the East African eggplant, we get yakon, we have peanuts and groundnuts, sweet potatoes, a uh, slightly different variety from the orange one. So we'll have either a brown or red skin with a white, um, ins- white flesh. Uh, some people will actually grow pumpkins and melons as well. Uh, there's, there's a bit of a mix around culture and other people have learned to eat locally established products like your um, squashes and butternuts instead of a traditional pumpkin. And I know if you showed me around the farm that I would just want to see all the dishes and basically eat them uh, that this food is grown for. Like, is there any, is there sort of any sharing or any opportunity to, to taste the fruits of the labor? Yeah, definitely. So we do have regular cookouts and food share events. So we'll have something around our harvest time, uh, both the summer and the winter harvest. We have uh, a maize barbecue. So that means just roasting a cob (laughs) and you enjoy instead of boiling it or um, steaming, you can have it 
roasted instead. That's one of our major events, the maize harvest. Then um, recently we had an Africa Day event just to commemorate because, again, people tend to shy away from uh, their places of birth and are just not proud of talking about their stories. So, again, food has been a way of getting people together to, to have some dishes. So, we've got um, a mixture of Burundans. Um, we've got a few Zimbabweans. Um, and now I'm forgetting some. <laughs> but we've got four nationalities on the farm. And we each each nationality will cook something that's related to where they come from. So if we're having, if a vegetable, a relish dish will have maybe pumpkin leaves, Zimbabweans would add peanut butter to the pumpkin leaves. Um, Burundians may add put a bit of cream or chili to the pumpkin leaves, and that's how we get to share how we eat our food, I guess. Wow. That's, I mean, even the idea of eating pumpkin leaves is really opening my mind. Um, that it just makes me think, yeah, there must be a real, uh, yeah, just different conversations about food waste and um, you know, all that sort of root to tip eating that we're all supposed to be doing. Yeah. And we've also got things in common, like we, we all eat the maize. Uh, some people call it polenta, some ugali, sadza, but it's all the same thing. Um, just a pap made from maize flour. You're so, I mean, you're so aligned with what we do on this podcast all the time, which is talk about the way food connects people. What sort of differences, Shingi, have you seen in people's lives when they're from being part of this co-op? Uh, when when you arrive in a new country or town or even when you join a new business or you you work at, you, you join a new community there are always stresses and strains around settling down and language has been a big uh, barrier to the the speed at which someone can settle into Mildura so we've seen because we're a language neutral place we will organize translating of material like training material we we have our meetings in three languages we've we actually make the time to do it <laughs> and that in itself gives people the opportunity to express themselves to share ideas in a neutral environment where they don't feel judged or out of place and also i know you might have heard about out of the box which is an initiative that came out of um, Food Next Door, which are the skin boxes. So our farmers have that opportunity to see their produce being consumed outside of the co-op. And that in itself just gives someone the extra confidence to get out and be involved in what's going on outside the farm gate. That's so wonderful. I mean, what about people who aren't necessarily part of the co-op but might be getting those boxes or I don't know whether it's it's the farmer whose land it is. I mean, what, what difference does it make to more established members of the Mildura community to have this going on? Yeah, because, um, again, Mildura is, is far, far away from the action, the Victorian action. We notice that food leaves Mildura only to be sold again in Mildura. So... What we're doing is also an opportunity to localize our food system. People get to to eat uh, regeneratively grown products. I mean, no chemicals and 
uh, it's all grown locally and a lot of the times it's it's delivered within the, pretty much it's same it's the same day service same day supply chain so p- local people also have something to to be attached to and to volunteer in and we just provide that segue sort of a middle ground for our professionals and the refugees it's 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 like a huge playground <laughs> i guess <laughs> it's really hard for me to explain because <laughs> there's a lot of activity <laughs> going on <laughs> well shingi what what brought you to doing this work what's your backstory oh it comes down to my values i guess so i'm i was born in zimbabwe um from a farming family and i moved to australia about 9 years ago and really really desperate to stay in the same trade so over time um i realized that i really i was desperate i was actually desperate just to do something that really really resonates and sticks to my values and which would be just i want to be in a position to make a difference in someone's life so being able to do it in farming around familiar people around familiar cultures has has been a big thing really for me and i've been working in the banking industry prior to this and having that opportunity to sit back and think to say oh okay where am i going what am i doing next what am i all about so that slowly drew me to food next door co-op and what's it been like for you to be part of it yeah it's 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 life changing as well because i've now learned i'm learning three other languages <laughs> um i'm seeing people's lives it's only been a few months but already the work we're doing i can see how it directly impacts people's lives um i can see how for example you have uh, we've got a trainee amongst us she's she does she can't read or write she doesn't speak english but food next door has been able to provide her with full time work which is something that really i don't think is possible outside of the co-op so we will provide on far like hands on training we'll teach her how to work on a farm get her job ready while she's learning english and we've got another story about young patrick he's um he's, he's a special needs child from a migrant family he prefers to do his sensory work at the farm so just being able to watch his mom work and um his carer work with him at the farm it's it's really inspiring and we can see the difference it makes in how people live wow that just must be so fulfilling um and heartwarming to be part of all of that shingi it's really yeah really amazing um yeah, it's, it's it's an opportunity to also because i over time you gain a lot of hard skills so it's either you're very good with with accounting or you're very good at your agronomy but then it's also in that warm and they call it warm and fuzzy but it's actually the human human part of life where you actually see people grow and people develop into better people i guess i think you know what you said earlier about you know you take the time to do all the translations i feel like that um that acceptance that some things need to be slowed down 
to be as rich, meaningful and successful as they can possibly be is must be a really big lesson. It is. And, you know, we live at 120 kilometres an hour. <laughs> Everything needs to be done today. Everything needs to be done now. But in, in that high-speed environment, I think we're missing a lot of what it actually means to be alive. Like there's a little bit more than more to life than money, than experiencing best restaurants, the best car, the best, the best of the best of this. But really, when you see someone's life change from the work you're doing, I think that is really fulfilling. And yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I know that you're connect you're connected with Vic Health, which does a lot of you know incredible work around communities connection and 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 the way that food interacts with all of our lives like what what place does Vic Health play in um the Food Next Door co-op oh it's just stepped in at the right time (laughs) at Food Next Door co-op yeah so we're part of um the future healthy program with Vic Health and we're part of what's called a Nourish Sunraysia Food Hub which is a partnership with with SMEC a local uh, not-for-profit as well. So what we're doing is, well, Vic Health is helping us to grow more um, culturally appropriate food, make it more accessible in Mildura, and make accessible meaning that you can actually find the products and also at a fair price. So a lot of the work we're doing right now is to set ourselves up so that we'll be able to continue um shortening the supply chain and what Vic Health has allowed us to do is also extend that opportunity to more more young people within um, Mildura and the food next door community with a children's book on the jumpstart program so we'll be launching our children's book where the children of our co-op members tell their story from tell the story of food next door co-op from their perspective. So they'll tell us about the things they learn from their parents around food, what's grown at the farm as a way of keeping them interested in, in the farm and also understanding their own cultural background and where food next door fits into the whole story. Ah, you've got to let me know when I can read that book. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, happy to share. And uh, there's a lot of excitement around it and it's build, the pressure's building up to actually deliver a really, really good product. But we're, we're looking forward to the, to that book. Yeah, so great. So, Shingi, um, I don't know much about what people eat in Zimbabwe. Can you tell me about, um, yeah, are there, are there any foods that you enjoyed back home that you miss in Australia or are you now growing them so you don't have to miss them? Yeah, so the maize is one. So I'm happy to be in Mildura at Food Next Door Co-op where I've got a, a, a six-month supply of fresh maize and groundnuts. But then I've always enjoyed, well, in Zimbabwe, we call them mazondo, which is, um, geez, how can I actually explain this? It's the knuckle of a cow. So pretty much every, from the ankle joint, to the top of the hoof. Yeah, so you make a really, really, really lovely stew out of that and then have your, your any any greens, so your kales, your, we call it ripe, but it's in that brassica family. 
cook it up. You can either fry it with the oil or with normal cooking oil. But I love it with the peanut butter. <laughs> uh, so does the peanut butter go into the stew or you eat it with it? Uh, so the peanut, no, the peanut butter, you mix while you're cooking the vegetables, you mix it in. So it's like a saute. Yum. That sounds really good. I'm such a fan of peanut butter and excited to learn of new ways to consume it. Yeah. So it's the polenta, that uh, vegetables with the green ve- green veggies with the peanut butter and mazondo. <laughs> yeah. I need to come to the next cookout. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, it's quite interesting because we all – we all use the same food items like food is it's universal, but I just love the diversity in how everyone converts those food items into a meal. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's so true. I guess, um, corn is, a, is corn is eaten in so many different ways around the world, all the different types of corn and maize. Um, it's, uh, yeah. So you learn so much, you learn so much about how we're different, but of course how we're all connected and, and, um, yeah, all enjoy gathering around beautiful, nourishing food. Um, Shingi, such a pleasure to learn about the work that you're doing. So enriching, such a bonus um, for the com- community of Mildura, and I'm sure the ripples go far and wide. Thank you so much for talking us through it today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's a pleasure. I do listen to the Dirty Linen podcast. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Well, we love chatting to fans as well as yeah, amazing contributors to the world of food. So thanks so much. Double thanks. Awesome. (laughs) This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.